in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. It is episode number 90 of the 30-something movie podcast. Um, feels like there should be something special since it's a multiple of 30. Since we've got multiple 30s, we've hit 90. So I I don't know what we can do that's special, but... I, it just it needs something. It needs a little something-something. Well, you know what? You're here, and that makes it special. I was going to say the same about you, John. There you go. See, it, there's a lot of love here tonight. There's a lot of love. Um, So we are on episode number 90, going to be coming out on September 21st, 2016. Thanks for joining us. We are going to be talking about Stand By Me, and um, this time I've got the the Chris to my Gordy. I've got Pat Canigallo. Hey, hey, everybody. I I gave you Chris. I I didn't think I should probably give you Vern or or Teddy. Hey, whatever you give me, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. All right. I, I see you as more of a, I don't know if I see you as a Chris, but I see you as more of a Chris. All right. I got you. Okay. It's good to be back, though. It's been a couple of weeks of not discussing movies with you guys. It, it has been a little while. It's been fun listening. We've had, it's know. been kind of a crazy start to the school year and trying to get everybody's schedules together and yeah. do, doing all that stuff. Yeah. Forget about it. You know what I mean? So, forget about it. Yeah. But here we are, and we're going to talk some movies. Um, Very, very quickly, we'll give you the obligatory warning. We do spoil the events of the movies we talk about, so if you have not seen Stand By Me, um, then you may want to wait to go watch the movie and then come on back. Um, Occasionally, we will reference other movies in our talk, uh, and we will probably spoil those too, so sorry to start off with. just We spoil stuff. It's going to happen, so just be aware. We spoil stuff. We do. We spoil stuff. Just, Just be aware. Um, and if you are subscribing to us on iTunes, please go on over there and leave us a review on iTunes. We would like to know how we are doing. So, uh, if you're enjoying the show, please go over there and leave us a 27 star review. Um, or how about a 90 star review? Since it's the 90th episode, you can leave us a 90 90 stars, 90 star review. Um, that's going to take like, I don't even know how many accounts you'd have to create to do 90 stars, but it'd be worth it. 90 stars. Get it done. Make it happen. Did we get an international review? Do I remember that correctly? We do. We've gotten I, our first. I, yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to go in and look for it. But we do have a. Uh, all right, let me see if I can do that right now. We'll let's, let me uh, pull. We'll pull back the well, curtain I don't here pull, for the listeners. I don't want to. I don't want to pull the train off the rails. You know what I'm saying? Oh no, that's fine. Uh, let's take a look. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, we did. We got. Um, we have, we have a five-star review from the Czech Republic. Oh, that's just, that means a lot. It does. And, uh, I think actually the five-star review, this might be from Christina who joined us on our Civil War episode. So if I don't, if her account is from the Czech Republic, if she's doing the Czech Republic iTunes store, then that might've been from her, but her review or whoever, uh, Larry's Bride from Czech Republic 
uh, said, and May, okay. May 17th said, Movie Lovers Unite, this is a must listen. Oh, gosh, that just warms so, the heart. There you go. That's cool. So that was very, very nice. So if that was Christina, thank you, Christina. If that was somebody else, thank you, somebody else, whoever it was. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we've got, uh, we're, we're marching. What'd you say? I said, we love you guys. I'm feeling all like warm and fuzzy on a Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. So we're marching right along. We got a lot of, a lot of, uh, retweets, a lot of feedback on Twitter. So we're, we're doing pretty well. We're the, we're the little podcast that could. Yes, we are. So we'll just keep marching along. Yes, we are. We don't have thousands of listeners and thousands of followers. We're we're not the Nerdist podcast. We're not West Wing Weekly, but you know we're we're going to get there eventually. Nope. One day yeah. we're, we're going to have tens of thousands of people listening in, and we can quit our day jobs and just do this all the time. Hanging on our every word, John. Hanging on our every word. They are some some people literally hanging themselves on every word that we say. Yes. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, I got a couple of things for new movie news. Um, one new of the things, news? let's do it. Little new movie news. Um, one of the things, real quick. Now, I did not go see this movie. I had no desire to go see this movie. Um, but did you see that they had a remake of the Blair Witch Project that came out? Yeah, I've been doing. A, I, I didn't see the original. You know how I feel about horror movies. Yeah, I didn't think you probably did. Is this a remake or a sequel? No, this one is a remake. Really? Mm-hmm. See, to quote Aaron Brockovich, see, that just pisses me off right there. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell me about it. No, it's, well, the funny thing was, and, and the movie did not do well at all. It got bad reviews, and it did not do well. Um, but the funniest part about the whole thing is the guys that created the movie, they went on Twitter um, yesterday, yeah. and they had a couple of really funny tweets, kind of their reactions to how the movie did. And... Um, Simon Barrett and Adam Weingard, or Wingard are the uh, two guys that, that made the movie. And so they went on, let's see, the, the screenwriter and the director. So Simon Barrett's the screenwriter, Adam Wingard is the director. And they went on Twitter, and yeah. Simon Barrett said, Well, our horror film may have been a disappointment at the box office this weekend, but at least we got overwhelmingly negative reviews. <laughs> and then the director came on, the, the director came on and replied to him and said, "Bro, I told you we should have made that movie about the boring guy who landed a plane in water instead." Nice. So at least they're having fun yeah. with it, even if their movie did not do well. Um, yeah, that's good. They're, they're, they're having fun you know. with it. You know what? I'm actually, I, I actually am reading in this article here that it is a sequel. Okay. So. All right. Okay, that makes me feel a little better. Yeah. I mean, I. Cause, cause, I mean, it already had. Didn't it already have sequels? Yeah, I thought so. I thought it already had some sequels, and I mean, I, that's one of those movies. It being one of the first movies that did like the found footage thing, where it's like, oh, somebody found a camera out in the woods, and this is the you're watching the videotape, and this could have really happened. You don't know, and I don't know. I mean. Yeah. That's already been done, and it was done in the late '80s, so or late late '90s. So, I don't know if, if you're gonna remake the movie or do a sequel. Do you, I feel like you should do something new. Yeah, I think so. I think that's like you know we said when we talk about don't remake these movies, and we listed them: Princess Bride, yeah, Pulp Fiction. You, you just you can't redo this movie. Yeah, you can't it, do. It. It just, you know? it, it just doesn't seem like, I mean, I, and I don't want to criticize it too much because I didn't see it, but at the same time, like, I, knowing that I know that it's just a sequel to 
a movie that was okay. I mean, I enjoyed watching it when the first one came out, but I didn't go nuts for it, and I, I wasn't really like chomping at the bit to to wait for a brand new sequel to come out now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. I never saw it. Like I said, I don't do scary stuff, and I heard that that thing will get the socks off you. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, okay, the other thing I had was Jurassic World 2. Um, oh. So Jurassic World 2 is uh, in process of, of being, uh, actually, it's going to get started in 2017. Okay. And supposedly, because the first Jurassic World did so well, uh, let's see, they did $1.6 billion, uh, $1.67 billion. And because not bad. not not bad at all, and because they did so well with that one, they decided that they were going to take the um, let's see the budget for Jurassic World was 150 million. Yeah, uh, the budget for Jurassic World two has been increased to 260 million. Wow. Okay. So, so bigger dinosaurs, better dinosaurs. The dinosaurs I think will be actually made out of gold. Okay. They might be real dinosaurs. They're going to be. They're actually going to be real dinosaurs. They will, you know, because of the budget, they're going to up it, and they're going to actually genetically engineer real dinosaurs to act in this movie. That's outstanding. And they're going to clone actors too. Hey, if they can get the dinosaurs to ride the motorcycles in this one, that'll be outstanding. I want them to have half human because last time they kind of mixed the dinosaurs together, so they had like a T Rex Raptor thing. Right. I want them to mix together humans and dinosaurs and have it be like that dinosaurs sitcom that used to be on in the eighties and nineties. Yep, yep. Do you remember yep. that show with the, the baby? The, not the mama. Yep, that was an outstanding show. So that's what I want Jurassic World 2 to be. I think that's what it should be. I want it to be a society where people have evolved into people dinosaurs. Yes. Or they could be like the, uh, the, the Koopa guys in the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie. Yep. I'm, I'm That'd be good. It. There's eight of them. Make it happen. That's right. Let's get this done. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Mario. But our princess is in another castle. Yeah. We actually, you know what? My brother got a, uh, got a copy. Uh, I think it was on the Wii. Um, brought that for the kids a couple weeks ago when he came to visit. And it's got the original three Mario games. Super Mario cool. Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3. Started playing with that with the kids the other day. And, and they're like, well, but I, why can't I save? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, kids meeting old mm-hmm. video games. They're like, like ah, I, no I have, save for you. I have to start from the beginning? <laughs> yeah, you do. You got three guys, and if you don't get it done with three guys, you're going back to the beginning, baby. Mm-hmm. And then I, then they were impressed because they're like, you know, Dad doesn't play as many video games as they do, but when, when Dad jumps on and right away warps all the way to World 6 or 7 or whatever I warped to, they're like, how do, I like jumped up and you ran along the top and, and found the warp You ran along the top, mm-hmm. yep, yep. And, and the kids were like, how did you know that was there? I'm like, children, Daddy actually has artificial thumbs because of all the hours that were spent playing this game as a child. My thumbs completely eroded away. Yeah. And and what we used to have to do was we used to have to take tissues and we used to have to tape them over our thumbs because otherwise they'd start bleeding. Outstanding. And that's how many hours that's how many hours we played these video games. Yes. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B A B A start. That's right. And I'm not I'm not making that up just to be funny. I did actually my thumbs would get so sore I would actually take tissues and I would tape them over my thumbs so I could just keep playing. Well of course, yeah, man. Or or band aids or whatever you had. And let me be honest, you're a tech guy. How many times do you like 
If something doesn't work, oh yeah, blowing the connect, blowing mm-hmm. the connector, and you just, yep. I, I find That's myself doing that to my phone sometimes. I'll be sitting there like holding my phone. I'm like, something's not working right. Let's just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. that's right. And man. and I tell you what, a couple of times it's worked. Yeah. So well, I don't I don't care I don't care what anybody says. I there was a kid a couple of years ago that I used to, I told that to. I'm like, yeah, we well, take the cartridge and you you just blow in it and tap it against something and it's fine. And the kid was like, oh, you know, if you do that, it damages it. I'm like, no, no, no. You do that so it will continue to work. He's like, no, yeah. no, no, it damages. It. I'm like, okay, child. Perhaps. Perhaps first of all, failure to communicate. Right. Like, first of all, you were born in a year that started with a two. Okay. So mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about things that happened in, in the 1900s. You were not alive. You weren't even close to being alive. Your parents and I are probably yes. roughly the same age. So don't argue with me. You, you blow in the cartridge, you tap it a couple of times, and then you go on and play your game. That's how you solve all the problems <laughs> in the world. There it is. Just blow on it and tap it. Good stuff. There we go. All right. So uh, should we, um, do you want to stand by me for a while? I want to stand by you, John. You want to stand by? I want to do it. We could, we could go into this whole Beatles thing and, and I, could, I, I could say I want to hold your hand. But then that, it just sounds weird. It just sounds weird to the listening audience. Mm-hmm. I think we've done a whole hand holding thing before too. We talked about holding hands. And we did. Just, some yeah. people are hand holders. Some people are not. Okay. You know? So this time, let's not hold hands, but let's let's just stand by each other for a while, and 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 maybe that'll work out this time. All right. Our movie this time around is Stand by Me. Uh, it was released August twenty second, nineteen eighty six. Was rated R, uh, mostly just for language. There wasn't really anything else in it other than the language. Um, the director for this one was Rob Reiner, who also did This Is Spinal Tap. Um, the Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, A Few Good Men, and a whole bunch of other really good movies. The producers on this one, a lot of the producers were also writers. Uh, so producer Bruce A. Evans um, also produced Starman, Made in Heaven, and Assassins. Uh, Bruce A. Evans also was a screenplay writer for this movie, also wrote Starman, Cutthroat Island, and Mr. Brooks. Um, one of the other producers, Reynold Gideon, I think I said that name right, Reynold Gideon, uh, also produced Starman, Made in Heaven, and Mr. Brooks, and he was also another of the screenplay writers who also wrote Starman, Cutthroat Island, and Mr. Brooks, so Bruce and Reynold uh, clearly worked together quite a bit. Um, One of the other producers on this one was Andrew Scheinman, who also produced The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and Seinfeld. And then one of the other writers for this one, they have credited as the writer was Stephen King because it is based off of a novella that Stephen King wrote. Uh, Stephen King also wrote Carrie, some episodes of Creepshow, Christine, Children of the Corn, and Firestarter. Creepshow, those were always a lot of fun, but Pat, I'm sure you have not seen a single one of them. No. Okay. They're a little scary and, well, they're called Creepshow, so it's a little scary and creepy, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not going not gonna to be watching those. It's it's like no. those and about last night. I know are the ones you're not going to watch. I, probably not, man. Pro- well, I did watch about last night, but I well, just got you, upset. You did, but you won't watch it again. Probably not. I've done there, been there, done that. Yeah, that's why when I put out the thing about the the Hannah and her sisters movie, I'm like, yeah, and Pat's not going to watch this one. <laughs> Pat'll try. Pat, Pat, wait, Pat, did I miss that one? Yeah. Pat may give it a try eventually, but. It's a, you know, it, it's a relationship movie, so if, if that's not your thing, then. 
Yeah, you know, we, hey, a man's got to know his limitations. That's true. You know thyself. Uh, music for this one was Jack Nitsche, who died yes. in 2000. Uh, also did music for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, An Officer and a Gentleman, Starman, and Mermaids. Budget for this one was $8 million. The box office was $52.3 million. Starring Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Wheaton. Will Wheaton. No, it doesn't have an H in the will, so it's Will Wheaton. Uh, played Gordy LaChance. I, every time I see Gordy LaChance, I keep wanting to say Jordy LaForge. Yeah. Just because it's Will Wheaton. Um, yeah, it's Wesley Crusher. Yeah. So uh, he was also in The Secret of Nim, The Last Starfighter, Star Trek The Next Generation, and Big Bang Theory. Uh, River Phoenix, who died in 1993, played Chris Chambers. He was also in Explorers, The Mosquito Coast, which we will be watching next week and talking about. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and My Own Private Idaho. Corey Feldman played Teddy Duchamp. Uh, he was in Gremlins, The Goonies, The Lost Boys, and The Burbs. Jerry O'Connell, a much heavier Jerry O'Connell than he is now. But hey, it's the baby fat, so it's okay. Um, some of us just don't lose the baby fat. Jerry O'Connell played Vern Tessio. Uh, he was in My Secret Identity, Joe's Apartment, Jerry Maguire, and the TV show Sliders. Great show. Did you ever watch that show? I, you know, I think I did. Um, Sliders, that Sliders one is one. Messed up. Yeah. If, Sliders is the one where they would slide. They had the device that would let them slide between parallel universes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So if you have not seen that show, I think I've, you would like I've that one. That out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't remember if it's on Netflix. I think it was on Netflix a while ago, but I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix, but that's a good show. If you haven't seen that one, I would check that one out. You'd like that. Oh, Sliders. Yeah. I, yes. Cool. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland played Ace Merrill. He was also in The Lost Boys, Young Guns, Flatliners, A Few Good Men, The Three Musketeers, Dark City, and the TV show 24. Uh, Casey Simazko. I'm going to mess that name up. Uh, Simazko played Billy Tessio. He was in Back to the Future Parts 1 and 2, Young Guns, and the TV show NYPD Blue. Gary Riley played Charlie Hogan. He was in Back to the Future Part 1, The Journey of Natty Gann, Ruthless People, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Bradley Gregg was Eyeball Chambers. Uh, he was in Explorers, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and The Fisher King. Uh, Jason Oliver played Vince Desjardins. Uh, he was in The Wizard and Class of 1999. A lot of these guys were the, the gang that uh, Kiefer Sutherland was in charge of. Marshall Bell played Mr. Lachance. He was in Total Recall and Starship Troopers. Francis Lee McCain played Mrs. Lachance. She was in Back to the Future, Gremlins, and Footloose. Bruce Kirby played Mr. Quidditchulo. I think I got that right. Quidditchulo. He was in the Muppet movie Throw Mama from the Train and Crash. Uh, Richard Dreyfus played the writer and the narrator. He was in American gotcha. Graffiti. What's that? I said gotcha. Yeah. Uh, he was in American Graffiti, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and What About Bob? And finally, John Cusack played Denny Lachance, the brother who had died in the car accident. Uh, he was in 16 Candles, One Crazy Summer, Say Anything. Critics gave this one a 91%. Audience gave it a 94%. Uh, Siskel gave it three and a half stars, and I had a hard time finding a review from Ebert, but I'm pretty sure that he gave it a thumbs up on their uh, At The Movies TV show. Uh, but they both liked yeah. it. Um, Cinema Score gave this one an A, and then there were also a whole bunch of awards that this was nominated for. I don't know that it won. Um, it did win a BMI Film and TV Award for Most Performed Song from a Film. And it was uh, for the song Stand By Me by Benny King. 
Okay. Um, let's see. The Heartland Film Award. It won the Truly Moving Picture Award uh, for director Rob Reiner, and it won some other awards, but not not a lot of major ones. It won a Young Artist Award for Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, and Jerry O'Connell, but a lot of the other ones. Academy Award, it was nominated for Best Writing uh, for a Screenplay, and it was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Drama and Best Director of a Motion Picture. So, nominated, but not won. Um, All right, so this one, the story of this movie, Gordy, Chris, Teddy, and Vern set off on an adventure to see a dead body that hasn't yet been discovered by the police. As they make their way, they battle junkyard dogs, trains, leeches, and their own inner demons. In all our lives, there's a fall from innocence, a time after which we are never the same. It happened in the summer of 1959, a long time ago. Oh, man, where do you hear this? Where do you hear this? What is it, man? You guys want to go see a dead body? When the night has come. And the land is dark. We interrupt to bring you an update on the search for the missing 12-year-old Ray Brower. Kid's gone. They're never going to find him. Not where they're looking. And the moon is the only light we'll see. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. We're going to be on every radio and TV show in the country. I still don't think we should go. If I can only have one food for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pass. Cherry flavor pass. No question about it. I'd like to go someplace where nobody knows me. We found him. We got dibs. We better start running, eyeball. They got dibs. There's four of us, eyeball. You just make your move. You're dead. For some, it's the last real taste of innocence. I'm never gonna get out of this town now, my glory. You can do anything you want, man. And the first real taste of life. This is really a good time. The most blast. But for everyone, it's the time that memories are made of. So don't Okay, before I get into talking anything else, it's a great soundtrack for this movie. Yes, it was an awesome soundtrack for this movie. I mean, just all the all the classic '50s music, and um, I, one thing I've got in here that I would have mentioned later, but uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier today. Michael Jackson apparently um, was set to record his own version of Stand By Me and they decided, I don't know if he ever did record it, but they decided to stick with the original because they still wanted to have the the 1950s feel to it, but um, just a, a great music. You said you used to have the soundtrack to this. I did. Okay, so that's, this is jumping ahead. My first contact with this movie was really the soundtrack. Okay. I, I think I was too young to see it, like, right when it came out. Um, You know, I mean, so 87, I mean, that would put me at you know, nine years old. And so, um, I think that would have been a little bit young. Um, and, and, and that scene in the movie, 
but I remember we got the soundtrack and I had it on cassette tape. And I mean, we, we, we stretched that tape out. I mean, we used that thing up. I mean, every road trip, every time we were driving in the car, every, everything that, that cassette went in and we just listened to every single tune. And it's funny because as the tunes came up in the movie, as the tunes came up in the movie, that would totally like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that was on the soundtrack. Okay, I remember that, you know, and uh, just just a really good soundtrack. It's one of those. It's one of those movies that has a soundtrack that kind of like it. it the movie would definitely yeah. not be the same if it didn't have that soundtrack. I'm, I'm thinking of like Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like that's another one that's got a really great soundtrack to it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just, just, you know, cause they, it just basically uses pop tunes. Yeah. You no. Know? Um, I think, I think another one completely different genre, you know, genre in that, but good morning Vietnam, I think was an, yeah. another example of just phenomenal pop tunes put into a movie. So yeah. Love the soundtrack for this. Yeah. All right. So a little bit of background on this one. Um, this was Steve. So Stephen King wrote the novella that this was based off of. A, uh, it was part of a collection that had actually this this was a I mean I I almost want to go get this collection now because I don't have I don't have a lot of Stephen King stories I don't have a lot of his books um, but it was a book of short stories called Different Seasons and this book of short stories included the story Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption which became the movie Shawshank Redemption um, and also had a story let's see what was the other story called um, oh Apt Pupil. And that was the movie that became the movie Apt Pupil. I don't know if you ever saw that one or not. Um, and so I, you've got three, at least three stories in this collection of short stories that got made into some pretty big movies. Um, okay. So now I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. I want to go, let me go pick this up somewhere and, and read it sometime because they're not all horror stories. I mean, Shawshank Redemption's not a horror story, and and Stand by Me is not a horror story. So, um, you know, I, I'm. I'm hit or miss on some of Stephen King's horror. I, I've never, I've never been a really huge fan of reading horror, so I've that's I've never really read a whole lot of his stuff. No, yeah. I, so, and I know you're totally not into that at all, anyway. So, it's not quite my genre, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Stephen King had been disappointed with how Hollywood had adapted The Shining and Christine. So initially when they came to him and asked him if they could adapt his story, The Body, that's what this one was originally called, um, he was reluctant to do so. But then when he saw the finished product of the movie, he, he actually got very emotional and he said that this was the best adaptation of his work he had ever seen. He was very, very happy with it. And there were actually a couple times where he thought they did a better job with the storytelling than he did. Oh, so cool. That's pretty high praise from Stephen King. Yeah, um, I was going to say, no kidding. So in the original, this and this is actually the part where he uh, apparently was happier with what they did with it. In the original story, at the end of the movie, Chris, the character played by River Phoenix, is the one who picks up the gun to face off against the gang of older boys. It's not Gordy, it's Chris that picks up the gun. But when Stephen King okay. saw that Gordy was the one who did it in the movie, he actually told Rob Reiner, oh man, I wish I would have thought of that. That's a much better situation to have him hold the gun cool so he liked that part better um a few days few days before shooting began of the movie the production company was sold and the new owners were not interested in making this movie so um the director rob reiner and the producers had to raise money from outside the production company to get the movie started 
Um, Jerry O'Connell, who played Vern, uh, claimed in an interview that the first two weeks were just the boys getting to know each other. Uh, whether this is true or not, he said Rob Reiner, quote, locked us in a room and we just played games and hung out and we became friends during those first two weeks. Um, yeah. Uh, this was actually Jerry O'Connell's first movie that he was ever in. And Kiefer Sutherland claimed in an interview one time that uh, in one of the locations uh, when they were making the film, I don't know if it was in Oregon or California, there was a renaissance fair that was happening nearby. And the cast and crew went and they, while they, that they were at the, well, cannot talk, while they were at the renaissance fair, they bought some cookies and they ate the cookies. But what they okay. did not realize was the cookies turned out to be pot cookies. Good. And uh, they said he said that the crew found Jerry O'Connell, the kid that played Vern, crying and high on the cookies somewhere in the park about two hours later. Oh, jeez. So, so it sounds like making the movie was almost just as much of an adventure as the story itself. Yeah, yeah, you get some of those stories coming out there, and then you wonder why, like, child actors have so many problems and mm -hmm. stuff, you know? Well, and that's why a lot of these kids in this movie they didn't, I don't know that they had to stretch too far to play their parts. Um, I think they did a really good job of casting this movie because, you know, some of these kids had issues with their parents and issues with their life. Like Corey Feldman, he was having a lot of issues anyway, so I don't think it was, I think he said in several interviews, it wasn't too much of a stretch for him to get angry because he didn't mm -hmm. have a very good home life as it was anyway. And River Phoenix obviously died of a drug overdose not too many years after this. And I think he was yeah. having some issues of his own. So, um, you know, I, I think it wasn't too much of a stretch for these kids to be able to act the part of having parents that were either a mess themselves or disinterested or whatever it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. So for this movie, um, there's a, a couple of different themes of the movie that um, I thought were kind of interesting and and uh, reminded me a little bit of when we talked about the the line from the Breakfast Club when they said you know as you as you get older a, a little bit of your heart dies um, you know when you become an adult and there was a line like that that was kind of similar in this movie was uh, kids lose everything unless there's somebody there to take care of them and mm -hmm. I, I thought that was a really good line for the movie and like a good uh, that was I think a good way of summing up the entire movie itself that you know, these kids don't really have anybody there to take care of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've got Gordy, his parents are distant because his brother died. And you've got the other kids. I mean, you, you really don't see any of their parents at all. And the one kid's dad's in a, in an insane asylum. Mm -hmm. So you've got these kids that don't really have adults in their life. Yeah. And it's just sad. I mean, I just, I really found that sad and I wasn't like, oh, this is just garbage. I don't want to watch it by any stretch. I mean, it was a, a great movie, but it was just, it was just sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, the, these kids bonded so well and I found that believable. I mean, I thought that the, the four child actors were the best in the movie. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes you see kids acting and it's like, okay, that's all right. They're a kid and, and they are acting, but not very well. These kids were great. And I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, they said that they put them all in a room and made them hang out for a couple of days and all that. I, I, you could clearly see that. I mean, those, the, the chemistry that those kids had was, uh, was pretty amazing, but, um, um, yeah, just, 
it was just a, you know, a sad story. They had the adventure and then they all kind of went their separate ways, I think was what they said at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess in the in the short story, you find out a lot earlier what happened to everybody. Like, I guess you find out a lot earlier in the short story that Chris died um, as an adult. Okay. And you don't find out anything about anybody until it gets to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think that would I think some of that would have ruined it for me had I found out earlier what what happened to these kids if I found if I knew that before their adventure was over. Yeah. And sometimes the way you can write things, well, listen to who I'm telling this to, but when some things are written down, you can kind of foreshadow and give stuff away and it doesn't quite give stuff away like it does when you've got a movie. You know, a movie right. you really cliffhang till the end or you just, you know, in the in the post log, here's what happens to everybody, you know? Right. So um, I want to pull a couple of other quotes from here and, and uh, ask you some questions kind of based on that. Uh, one of the other quotes was... Um, what he's what the narrator is writing at the end. So when Gordy has grown up and he's finishing his story that he's writing, and the the last two sentences of his story were, "I never had any friends like the ones I had when I was twelve. Jesus, does anyone?" And then that's the end of his story. So let me ask you: Do you have when you were a kid? Did you have any friends like this? Like, did you have a group of friends that you know you guys would go off and pretend to have an adventure or? You know, you were like a group of friends that was as close as these guys seem to be in the movie. Because I, I, to answer that question first, before you get to your answer, I don't think that I can say I really did. Like, I had some good friends, but I think we moved around so often that, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have friends that I had grown up with. We, we seem to move like every three years, so that's, that's a little tough to have, like, really good close friends when you're moving every three years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had, I, I, I had good I, friends in high school, but I don't know, you know, I, I guess maybe it's kind of like at the end of the movie, they do comment and they say, you know, we kind of went our separate ways after that and we didn't really see each other too much. So I guess, I guess the closest for me maybe would be high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I gotta be honest. I, um, I had a group of friends like that. And partly because I went to the same school, kind of the, the opposite experience that you had. I went to the same school for nine years. Okay. I mean, K-8, I went to a, uh, went to a Catholic, a smaller school. So, I mean, everybody knew everyone and everyone was together for nine years. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you kind of build up friends like that. And there was a group of friends like this. Um, now, it was somewhat bigger in that, I mean... We had we had a good number of people that were in that friend circle, you know, and um, mo a lot of us did go our separate ways. Like once we got to high school and then the college and all that. When you say it was but, bigger, would you say it was the biggest in four counties? <laughs> Maybe it just quite possibly would be. Okay. It just quite possibly would be. But um, but out of that, I've got a couple of friends that we're still really close today. Really? And I want to say that I met uh, the one guy I met real early like first or second grade and then the other uh a buddy of mine uh we've been friends since uh preschool okay like i've known this guy, I've, I've known this guy since i was three yeah and uh he we've been at each other's weddings and now our kids play together and <laughs> crazy enough probably going to end up going to high school together yeah and um because he's he's right up the road we're like in the same district so 
it's um it's uh, uh it's it's kind of, that's kind of a cool thing and we we do we'll get together and we'll talk about stuff we'll talk about boy scout campouts we'll talk about school together we'll talk about some sleepover at someone's house we'll talk about going outside and playing football and, and sometimes it's just like hey do you remember oh my gosh that's right i forgot about that and Hey, you remember from eighth grade graduation? You, yes, I know. I still owe you a buck thirty-five from when we went to the <laughs> whatever, you know, and you bought me. It's so I, I do feel like I, I kind of did have that. Yeah. Um, high school, not quite as much. Um, that's that's a different story for you know if we ever get into um, uh, what's the guy that did uh, Breakfast Club? John Hughes. That that's yeah. that's the discussion for the John Hughes movies. Okay. Um, and then college was, I mean, just met a wonderful group of people there, but yeah, I, I still have a couple of friends that I'd say are some of my closest friends that, like I said, I've known since well, preschool or first or second grade. And we kind of, they, they in turn, everyone's kind of still in touch with friends from that original group. So when, when like I get together with my buddy, Kevin or my buddy, Matt, we'll say, Oh, Hey, well, if you, yeah, well, I'm talking to Dave. Oh, well, how's Dave doing? Oh, well, he's got two kids now and he's doing all this. Oh, okay, great. Hey, did you talk to Jeff? Oh yeah. I talked to Jeff. Yeah. Jeff's doing this, you know, so yeah. we're able to kind of keep that going. So nice. Yeah. Did you, did you guys ever go on any adventures to find dead bodies? You know what? We never found adventures for dead bodies, but, um, we did, um, there were an awful lot of, uh, uh, ski trips that turned into adventures. There was an awful lot of boy scout trips that turned into, Adventures through the woods to the uh, Hostess Wonder Bread Outlet Factory on Milwaukee Avenue. Oh, that sounds like fun. Um, oh, that yes, that was fun, John. <laughs> that was like 12, tw- 12 Twinkies for a quarter or something like that. So, um, you know, so it was, uh, um, yeah, th- we never went out for dead bodies, but, you know, there'd, there'd be times we'd head out and we'd all go play football. Or there was, I just remember these monster games of Ghost in the Graveyard. Yeah. Um, and these just monster games of like tackle football against my friend brother who was in high school. And, you know, he, you know, you know, you're, you're playing with high school guys. So, you know, it was rougher and all that kind of thing. So yeah, never any dead bodies, but plenty of sleepovers and plenty of campouts and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I had, uh, I, I think probably the closest I would have to something like this movie. And again, we didn't go looking for dead bodies, but, um, was when I lived in England, we were, you know, maybe like a quarter mile, half mile from where we lived was one of the forests where they filmed um, uh, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie. Okay, yeah. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And so we, and then there was like a, you know, somebody had set up like a tire swing out there and and uh, we'd ride our bikes back there. And, you know, every once in a while somebody would find like an arrow from the movie or we had, I think we had some neighbors that had a couple of arrows from the movie and a net from the movie and all kinds of other stuff, but that was kind of we'd like, we'd go hang out in the woods sometimes. We were probably, well, like maybe sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. And, um, you know, we, nobody knew where we were. We'd just kind of go hang out in the woods and we'd, you know, tell stories and, you know, insult each other and insult each other's mothers and, and all kinds of other stuff. And so very similar to this movie. And, um, yeah, you know, th- so that's probably the closest experience I would have. You know, we never spent the night out in the woods. We'd, you know, have sleepovers at people's houses and things like that. But, you know, we never went on an extended adventure like this. But um, mm-hmm. that's probably the closest for me to have 
an experience kind of like this. And, and some of those guys maybe, you know, I probably spent the most time because we were, I was at a, an all boys school and the, the classes were very small. So you got to know everybody pretty well. Um, I had maybe like 10 people in my class. Um, so I, yeah, that, that probably would be the closest experience for me with this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I kind of got hit with the nostalgia. And now that you, you, you asked me that question and, you know, I'm not getting all weepy eyed over here because like I said, I, I, your eyes you know, are, your eyes are just sweating. My, I'm just sweating. That's right, that's right man. I'm just <laughs> sweating. But I, um, you know, I, this movie really made me nostalgic. Now, obviously I didn't grow up in the fifties and all that, but yeah, I, I am just <laughs> thinking back to all the times I was with friends and just kind of raising raising hell and, and doing things and, and uh yeah it's cool that this movie had a this movie had a lot of heart and heartwarming moments yeah and well, I, I like that all the characters you know they all they all accepted each other for who they were mm-hmm. even though they still give them a hard time for it right you know like when the one guy's like hey man tell us a story you know and it's just like that was cool like hey you're a good storyteller you tell us and okay, well, of course you're going to college. You're the smart one. And if you waste time with us, then you're an idiot because you're wasting what you got. And you know, just cool things like that. And then the one kid starts like interrupting the story, mm-hmm. and they're all just like, "Okay, here he goes. All right." And they give him a time that it's like, "Dude, shut up." Yeah. You know. But everyone was okay with that. My, I, I just my one favorite thing about that scene in particular, because as, as someone who wishes they were a writer, my one favorite thing about that scene is like anytime. Anytime you've ever written anything, there's always somebody that comes in. They'd be like, the, "The story ends, and and it's a it's an amazing story. It's a really well told or well written story, and it ends, and it's a great ending." And somebody comes in, and they're like, "So, what what happened next? What do you mean? What happened next? It's the end of the story." Well, that's a lame ending. Like I would have had it end with like the guy, you know, kills his dad and he does this and that whole thing. And I'm like, there's always one person that you have this yeah. great story, and somebody's always going to be like, "Well, well, what happened next? Like, what happened to him?" Well, I don't know. It's the end of the story. There's like you don't have to tell the entire person's life story. That's not the point. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that was I, that I, was I, pretty I got funny. a chuckle. I got a chuckle out of that scene in particular because I'm like, yeah, I've, I've had that happen several times where. You know, if I wrote a story or if I told a story about something and, and then I thought it came to a satisfying end and somebody else is like, well, then what happened? Well, well, nothing. That, that's the end of the story. Oh. <laughs> well, that's kind of a lame ending. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, okay. Um, it was pretty good. That was pretty good. So... Um, I, my, my last question that goes along with some of the themes of the movie here is uh, another quote from the movie. Um, and this quote is, Chopper, Chopper being the uh, dog from the junkyard, Chopper was my first lesson in the difference between myth and reality. <laughs> yeah. So, That's a great line. So, Pat, when was, the, when was the first time you learned the difference between myth and reality? Oh, no. I got, oh, man. Do you, do you need a minute and... to think? Because I've, I've got my story. Man, why don't you go with your story? Because nothing I'm going to say, it's just going to be, I don't know. Okay. I, let me, I'll, I'll do mine, and then you, that, that'll give you a minute to think and see if you've got something. My, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my first, uh, I, I would say my first lesson between the difference between uh, myth and reality was um, it was Christmas time, and I was at my grandparents' house, and I was probably, 
oh, probably eight or nine years old. And um, I do make sure the kids are still asleep when I say this. Um, eight or nine mm-hmm. years old and, and still believed in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And we would always, at that grandparent's house, Santa Claus would always show up to give us our gifts. Like it wasn't just to put him under the tree kind of thing. Santa would actually show up at the house and, and, and would give the gifts. Well, this year in particular, um, Santa maybe did not put enough adhesive on his beard or Uh-oh. didn't have it tied on quite tight enough. And um, my uncle at the time had a mustache. You know, he, he was young and he had a mustache, so his mustache was dark brown and was not the white Santa Claus color. So right. Santa Claus is handing out gifts, and all of a sudden Santa Claus's beard starts to slip down. Uh-oh. And, and, I, and me, I mean, there's a whole bunch of the other grandkids around, and I'm the oldest one out of all of them. Um, and all of a sudden his beard slips down, and I go, hey, Santa looks a whole lot like Uncle Jim. <laughs> yeah. And my grandmother, who very, yeah. very, very sweet, very sweet person, this vice-like grip on my arm <laughs> as she dragged me into the kitchen and kind of yeah. pulled me to the side and said, okay, I'm going to tell you this once, and you are not going to tell any of the other kids. Santa Claus is not real. That's your Uncle Jim. Do not tell any of the other children. Don't ruin this for them. Okay, go get your presents. <laughs> yeah. and, I'm, and I'm kind of like, I'm partly in shock. I'm like, wait, whoa, hold on. What? Like, first wait. of all... You could have just you could have just told me that those were like the roots of Santa Claus's beard and, and, and made something up and I probably would have gone with it, but wait, he's not real? What? So Santa isn't real at all. You're not just saying that our Santa is Uncle Jim. Like I could buy that. Like, right. okay, you know, we don't get Santa at our house. I mean, yeah, no, okay, no. There, okay, there was no fine. attempt. I, I maybe she was just tired of keeping that secret because there was no attempt at a cover up at all. It was just a come here in the kitchen with me. All right, Santa's not real. That is Uncle Jim, but you keep yourself quiet and do not tell the other children. Like, um, yeah. okay. You're in what I like to call is my inner circle, talk and die. Correct, yes. Yeah. And, and now I've been in that inner circle for, you know, the rest of my life now. There you go. So you, did, you didn't talk. No, okay. didn't, didn't say a thing. Didn't say a thing. So that was, I would say that was probably my first lesson in the difference between myth and reality. Reality, yeah. I, whoa, that's a good one, man. That's a good one. I don't know if, what if I don't know if what I have you got, What have you got that shattered your childhood? Jeez, I don't know. I, maybe, I'm kind of in a perpetual state of childhood. So other, I, other than something like Howard the Duck, what shattered your childhood? We're going to have to sit here for a moment. I don't know, John. Um, You're still a child? I'm still a child. I, I'm sorry. I, did, I, did I ruin the whole Santa Claus thing for you? No, well, uh, a little bit. I'm a little bit okay. in shock. I'm still telling myself that, you know, that was who showed up at your house okay. was your uncle. It was just, that's, that's a, that was a Missouri thing. Santa Claus is still real here in Chicago. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, what ruined my childhood? See, and, and the whole, when you learn myth versus reality, I was struggling with that, but then you said, okay, what shattered your childhood? So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, what shattered my childhood? Like what? happened that was like huh. well and i'll even take other examples of i used to be deathly afraid of dogs like okay. terrified of dogs and i i think it all goes back to when i was a kid i was chased by a pack of dogs one time well with this if i were to describe it and refer to it as a pack of dogs you might be envisioning you know some german shepherds or you know bigger dogs like that 
I have right. a feeling that most of these dogs were like, you know, chihuahuas or beagles or I don't know. But to four-year-old me, they looked huge and they were faster than me. Right. So you got to, yeah. So I totally terrified by this whole thing. And I used to be terrified of like even the smallest dog. If it was one of those like cute little white fluffy dogs, I was terrified of it. Mm-hmm. Got chased by a three-legged dog one time, and I kind of thought that was unfair. I'm like, if a dog has three legs, it should be a whole lot slower. Right. But it, but it was just creepy and fast. Right. Right. So, so that for me, what I guess was probably another one was I all dogs when I was a kid were large and terrifying, and they were out to get me. Yeah. And then I learned that they're not, and they could really care less, and some of them are probably afraid of me because I'm bigger than them. Right. Right. I'm just as likely to bite them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I've got one that... I guess the thing would be, and I, I have no specifics, so this is going to just sound incredibly random, but I guess there would just be little things. Like, you know, you grow up in your family and there are certain traditions or there are certain ways of doing things. Yeah. Generally, that all families do, but, you know, and then when you go and you might be at a friend's house or you might you know, grow up and then you're in high school or going into college and you'll see people doing things, those same things. And I, I, I'm sounding like, I don't even know, I'm not even making sense, but I guess that would be kind of the, the little reality checks is where, you know, things that your family does that you're just like, Hey, that's how everybody's family is. And then right. you go see it somewhere else. And it might even be, you know, whether you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom or roll the toothpaste, whether, Hey, right. we all have a big breakfast first thing in the morning, you know, I sleep over at a friend's house and well, that's not how my family does it. So what, well, but this is how we, but yeah, we, that didn't really ruin my childhood. We, I don't know. We always, we always open our gifts on, on Christmas Eve in my family and every other time I've ever visited anybody other, uh, Sharon's family and everybody else, it's always Christmas morning. And okay. that shocked the heck out of me. Cause I was like, no, 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 we, we always do it Christmas. Like, that's what you do. You open your gifts on Christmas Eve night. And I'm like, no, right. no, 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 we're, we wait till tomorrow morning. I'm like, well, but that's not Christmas, and that, that's not fun. Yeah. And what I learned was that just my dad's impatient. Right. And, and yeah. that's it. You know? Well, now, yeah, now we're getting out of, like, things that ruin the childhood. I'll tell you this. Um, my grandparents, whenever my folks would go out to dinner, my grandparents would come over and they'd pick up yen yen, Chinese food. And uh, we'd always order, like, they'd get the same things, and we'd always have rice with whatever we'd order. And then Tammy and I got married, and she would order the, like, lo mein noodles. And I, it was, like, I didn't really have it till I was, like, basically married to Tammy. I had, like, noodles in my Chinese food. And, you know, like, American fast, fast food kind of Chinese food. Yeah. And I had noodles, and it was like, what, what is this? Oh, they're noodles. I know, but you, you're getting noodles in the Chinese food? I'm getting nine noodles in Chinese food. You can get noodles in a Chinese food? Yeah, you can. I think I even called my mom and dad. I'm like, guys, guess what? We're having Chinese food. You know what? You can get noodles in the Chinese food. This is amazing. And so, you know, there were little things like that between Tammy and I that we just done since we were children. And, and, you know, and there were some things for Tammy, too. She's like, oh, I've never tried that. What is that? Yeah. Oh, well, this is, you know, da 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 you know, this, this is... Asparagus. We get this all the time as kids. Oh, I've never had that before. So yeah. Tammy tried it, and the next like month, all she was eating was asparagus. Every time we go out to dinner, she would always order the side order of 
asparagus. Every time I got Chinese food, it was like suddenly a, a, a wall was broken down and mm-hmm. I can get noodles with my Chinese food now. So it was like the first time I, I visited a friend or would, you know, actually, I think it was when we lived over when we were in England again and um, Halloween was not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And we got over there and I'm like, well, cause I was asking people at school, I'm like, what are you going to dress up as? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. what costume do you have? Like, what are you going to do in it? Because Halloween was always a big deal for us because it, it also was my grandmother's birthday. She was born on October okay. 31st. So we would have these big, huge. Cool. So, so for me, like when people list off their favorite holidays, they're like, I love Christmas and I love Thanksgiving. And I love, for me, like at the, at the top of my list, almost at the top of my list is Halloween. And some people, when I say that, they're like, really? Halloween? Really? Like, yeah. Because I, I mean, that was when, we would have that was the one of the very few times I remember both sides of our family would come visit. Like very rarely okay. would you have both my mom and my dad's side of the family together for one thing. And I remember okay. huge family gatherings for Halloween because it was also Grandma's birthday, so everybody got together. Okay. So I remember that one of the first times going somewhere else, and I was like, "I'm so excited for Halloween!" And they're like, "Well, well we don't do trick or treating here." Right. And, and that was just kind of like, you know, somebody saying, we don't wear pants here. Like, well, well, hold on. Okay. <laughs> it's, um, okay. Everybody does. Like, everybody trick-or-treats. Everybody wears pants. This is, I don't understand, I don't understand where this is coming from. This is ludicrous. So where do you, where do you get your candy? Like, what, uh, okay. Yeah. What, what do you do on October the 31st? What, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't do anything. We had to go find a whole bunch of other American families and we would hang out with them. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Which actually ended up being a great party because we were at their house having this Halloween party, a whole bunch of kids in their costumes, playing games, and ironically enough, the power went out. It was like oh, perfect, that's awesome. perfect Halloween night, power goes out, done, great. Mm-hmm. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, but that kind of shocked, shocked me when I was like, no, no one else is interested in Halloween. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Everybody's interested in Halloween. Right. Everybody loves Halloween. Yeah. No. So, all right. Before we get to, because I do want to ask you if you have, uh, this may be tough to narrow down, a favorite scene or a favorite quote, but um, do you feel like you relate to any of these kids? And the, at the outset, I said that you were the Chris to my Gordy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe if I, if I wanted to relate to one of them, I think I would say I would want to relate to Gordy because I would want to grow up to be a famous writer someday. Okay. But if I'm being honest, I think I probably relate more to Vern. Mhm. Because I I was and in some ways still am the fat kid that everybody picks on and 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 like he tries to tell jokes and say funny things, but they don't really come out as funny as as he would have hoped. Well, I don't know, John. I got to dispute that because the stuff you say is pretty funny on a daily basis, man. So but I got I mean, I, I, I got to go with Vern. I think I think realistically, that's the kid that I would have been. Okay. Yeah, I. Um, Which it just it still gets me every time. Like they're walking away. It's this very emotional thing at the end of the movie. Everybody's gone through this whole ordeal, and and he's walking away, and he's oh a penny. Yeah, I get that. I love that part. It's like they're going through this whole thing, and everybody's very serious, and then just he's right back to, oh look, a penny. Yeah, which he could put in his jar as soon as he finds it. Yeah, that was a good part. Going out on a tangent, I kind of like the part where he's like, "Hey, this food doesn't taste so good," and and the kid that went shopping says, "Well, you know what? Maybe next time you can go and." 
and yeah, yeah, it was it was like uh, see what you can get for your seven cents. Yeah, see, you know, yeah, 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 and he kind of just shuts them right back up. That was mm. that was pretty funny. The sarcasm between the guys were were pretty good. So, so do you, but you don't feel you don't feel like there's any of these kids. You wouldn't look at this and say, I I, I connect or relate most closely to this kid. You know what? No, because I I have. I had and have a wonderful family that was there. So, I mean, those kids kind of, those kids didn't. Yeah. So I don't relate quite as much to that. I think there's elements of each one in you. I kind of, I'm going to pull what I said with the breakfast club. Yeah. You know, there's elements of each kid, of each mindset, you know, it's just like, which ones are you, represent you more that given day. Right. Right. All right. So, what about a famous uh, favorite scene quote? Um, I'll just I'll rattle off some of the kind of major scenes that were in the movie. We've got the junkyard scene. Uh, we've got the train tracks where they're having to race the train across the bridge. Um, that was scary. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but that was scary, man. That was really scary. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I, I mean that of the different scenes that because it's it's been a while since I've watched the movie. Oh, and I forgot to ask you. This is the first time you watched the movie, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. It was the first time. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was like that scene in particular, there's a couple scenes that are burned in my mind from this movie and the train scene is definitely one of them. Oh yeah. That's, that's scary stuff. And it's funny. I mean, they did a great job of filming that because what I ended up reading was that train was nowhere near those kids, but the way they filmed it using the the lens that they had, they made it look like the train was like right behind them. Okay. But yeah, no, the way they filmed it was the, the kids were running and the train was actually at the far end of the bridge. Like, it wasn't anywhere near them. But for the way they filmed it, they made it look like the train was right on top of them. Okay. And I guess they couldn't get the kids, like, because they weren't in any real danger, they couldn't get the kids to act as if they really were in danger. So I guess they did several takes of it, and it didn't, like, they didn't get the emotion and the terror that they wanted out of the kids. So I guess uh, Rob Reiner jumped up and just started screaming at them. And said, you guys are, like, the cast and crew is here, and you're wasting their time, you're wasting their day, you're ruining this whole movie, so you run and you scream like your life depends on it, because you know what? If you don't, that train's not going to kill you, but I will. <laughs> yeah, your life does depend on this, kids. And, and then apparently right after that, they did one take and they got it. Yeah. Okay, all they needed was the proper, uh, you know, motivation. You know, just a little bit of verbal abuse. Yeah. It's good every now and then. Um, then you've also got my, I'll go ahead and say it now, my personal favorite scene, the pie eating contest. I, oh, I, yeah. I love Ugh. the pie eating contest. Um, then you've got my least favorite scene, the leeches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the scene at the end with the face off over the dead body. So do you have of those, and there's others that I didn't list, but those are kind of the major scenes in the movie. Um, did you have any scenes in particular that were favorites? the train that was scary um i I like it when they they finish with their adventure and they're all kind of heading back that's kind of cool seeing how they uh relate with that um but yeah i think that would be primarily it the train scene really stuck out to me as whoa that yeah that was a pretty crazy scene that's pretty intense yes 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 I love the the line at the end of it. The whole thing is just, well, we know we we know what time the next train's coming now. Yeah, yeah, 
that that movie did have some really creative one-liners that mm-hmm. weren't forced. Yeah, you know those they had some really neat and just just well placed kind of sarcasm, well, sarcastic I, comments. And I love the conversations that the kids would have, like because it's conversations that real you know kids would have. The whole debate on what is goofy. Yeah, because I've had I know I've had like it's those nerdy conversations that sometimes we have and even as adults and um well, it, it, they, it, it's almost like the, make... no go ahead go ahead oh I'm, I'm sorry i'm cutting across you but it's like i think he says we we debated and argued things that guys that haven't noticed girls yet argue and debate right could mighty mouse beat superman yeah like no that's ridiculous mighty mouse is a cartoon superman's a real guy a cartoon can never beat a real guy yeah. that would be an awesome exactly. fight though like, yeah, yeah. It would, yeah, it would. But because I know I've had that well, even even before, and maybe it came from this movie, but I know I have had that conversation before. I'm like, well, what is Goofy? Because Pluto is clearly a dog, but he acts like a dog. So if Goofy's a dog, then why did... Like, what... Is this a debate on evolution? Like, how can you have apes and humans living at the same time? You right. can have Pluto and Goofy right. at the same time? Well, there you go. That answers the whole theory of evolution. Right. Goofy and Pluto. You're, wel- you're welcome, society and world. We just solved that problem. Solving the world's problems one step at a time. There we go. That should be the tagline for the podcast. 30-something podcast. Solving the world's problems one movie at a time. That's right. Um, so, yes. So, my, my personal favorite has got to be the pie-eating contest. I, I love it. I love how disgusting it is. Um, are you the type of person that you like? You can't watch stuff like that because it makes you feel sick. Because I don't. Most times, I don't get that way. Yeah, I I've never been a big fan of of. Are you like, a, are you a sympathy vomiter? I might be. Like okay. I didn't get sick watching that movie, but if I start to think about it too much, you know, if I'm eating it and I'm watching something like that, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not feeling so good. You know, I I tried to envision people like in the movie theater eating popcorn while watching that scene. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, that whole thing. Like, I just kind of looked away because it was just like, okay, this is too much. Well, and that's, and that I think was my favorite part of the whole story because he's telling the story and it's, it's already funny enough that everybody's throwing up on everybody else in that scene. And you think, right. okay, okay right. that's, that's great. That's awesome. Like he got, the kid got his revenge. And then all of a sudden he, you think the story's over and then he goes, and that's when the smell hit the crowd. And then, you know, it's like, oh, all right, a full-on, oh, wait, here, I think I have the line here. Oh, I've, I've actually got the whole, the whole quote. Slowly, so this is Gordy telling the story. Slowly, a sound started to build in Lardass's stomach. Strange, Strange and, scary. and scary sound, like a log truck coming at you at 100 miles an hour. opened his mouth and before Bill Travis knew it he was covered with five pies worth of used blueberries the women in the audience screamed boss man Bob Cormier took one look at Bill Travis and barfed on Principal Wiggins Principal Wiggins barfed on a lumberjack that was sitting next to him Mayor Grundy barfed on his wife's tits but when the smell hit the crowd that's when Lardass' plan really started to work 
Girlfriends barfed on boyfriends. Kids barfed on their parents. A fat lady barfed in her purse. The Donnelly twins barfed on each other. And the women's auxiliary barfed all over the benevolent order of antelopes. And Lardass just sat back and enjoyed A complete food. and total barfarama. I, I can see my son watching this someday and loving that scene. Just an entire scene of people throwing up on each other. Oh. All right. Well, do you have uh, do you have a favorite quote from this one? There's a lot of quotable stuff in this movie. Yeah. I think some of the stuff we were talking about earlier was probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time picking one because there are just so many. There were, there were just a whole bunch of great lines in this movie. I think just their conversations. I like their conversations, and I like the the whole talk about the, you know, what's 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 your favorite? Oh, my favorite food, uh, uh, cherry pears. There's no doubt, no doubt about it, cherry pears. Yeah, and just like all those conversations, because it's it's the same kind of conversations that little kids have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I just think listening to their dialogue, the smart aleck comments they would make back and forth, I I found that plenty entertaining. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, do we have any final thoughts for anybody who has not yet? So, well, if you haven't yet seen Stand By Me, we just ruined it for you. But um, any final thoughts on the movie? Mm, no, but just a great movie. Everybody should see it. Yeah. Like I, I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen it, and I was expecting something that was eh, pretty good. But no, this is this is a great movie, and I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. It's 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 a it's very cool. All right. Well, if you have not seen it, go take a gander. Uh, it is a fun movie. A lot of, lot of big-name actors in this one, sometimes before they were big actors, but um, you know, a lot of people from other movies, a lot of connections with other movies that we've seen and, and that we will be watching. Um, but I think that's going to do it for Stand By Me for us. Um, you can, if you want to find more out about our podcast, you can head over to 30podcast.com. That's our website where it's got all the different ways that you can uh, get in touch with us. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, we've got a Gmail address, um, we're on Instagram, we're all over the place. We are nearly ubiquitous, all over the world. Um, Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play Podcast, iTunes, you can listen to us directly from 30podcast.com. And our next episode, uh, to finish out the month of September, is going to be The Mosquito Coast, which I'm, I'm kind of interested to see because I've never seen that one. Um, it's got, uh, River Phoenix, I think, is in that one as well. And it's mm-hmm. also got... Um, Harrison Ford. So there's a lot of old Harrison Ford movies that are in from the 80s that I have not seen before. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see this one. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for thank you for standing by me, Pat. You're welcome, John. Thanks for standing by me. There you go. Um, so we will see you all next time. So come on back next week for um, our Mosquito Coast episode. And then after that, Pat is going to take a one-month hiatus um, as we get into October. Uh, into the Halloween month of movies. Uh, most likely, we're going to be doing, sometime in the next few weeks or so, we're going to be doing an episode on the graphic novel The Dark Knight Returns from 1986. Awesome. And then we're going to be jumping on into our Halloween movies, so Pat's probably going to go missing for those. Um, yep. But uh, we'll miss him. And he, you, maybe you'll listen to the show. Maybe I'll do what I can. Okay, you can do what you can. But uh, coming up in October, so if you want to get in, in touch with us and, and send us any of your feedback or let us know ahead of time 
Um, things that you remember, things that you enjoy about these movies, we've got coming up in October is going to be Poltergeist 2, House, Little Shop of Horrors, and The Fly. Um, we're also going to try to do, maybe sometime in the next month or so, we're going to try to do an episode on the Razzies of 1986. That would be the worst movies that came out in 1986, and I have started to try to watch a couple of them, and they deserve every bit of the award they got. So, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll do that sometime soon. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the 30-something movie podcast this time around. So, Pat, have a good evening. Ron, have a good evening. We'll see if we can wrangle some of the other guys for next time. And we'll get Dennis's take on Stand By Me, because I know he wanted to talk about this one, but he had not had a chance to rewatch it yet. So maybe yeah. we can, we'll, we'll get him next time. All right. Well, everybody, you be excellent to each other and uh, go see some good movies. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me